Chapter Three, Part Three, The Curious Lore of Precious Stones. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Curious Lore of Precious Stones by George Frederick Kunz. Chapter Three, Part Three, on the Talismanic Use of Special Stones. Jade. The name jade includes two distinct minerals, nephrite and jadeite. The former is a silicate of magnesia, of exceedingly tough structure, and ranks 6.5 in the scale of hardness, while jadeite, a silicate of alumina, is more crystalline and not as tough as nephrite, and has a hardness of 7. A variety having a rich emerald green hue is called by the Chinese fe tsui, kingfisher plumes. It is also denominated imperial jade. The original form of the Chinese character pao, signifying precious, consists of the outline of a house within which are the symbols of jade beads, shell, and an earthen jar. This shows that at the very early time when these characters were first used, the Chinese already collected jade and employed it for personal adornment. The oldest form of the ideograph for king appeared to be the symbol for a string of jade beads, which are even now used in China as insignia for high rank and authority. Jade amulets of many different forms are popular with the Chinese, one representing two men is called two brothers of heavenly love and is often given to friends a phoenix of jade is a favorite ornament for young girls and is bestowed upon them when they come of age to a newly wedded pair is given the figure of a man riding on a unicorn and holding castanets in his hand this signifies that an heir will be born in due time such is the fondness of the Chinese for jade that those who can afford the luxury of its possession are wont to carry with them small pieces so that they may have them always at hand, for they believe that when handled something of the secret virtue of the substance is absorbed into the body. When struck, jade is thought to emit a peculiarly melodious sound which for the Chinese poet resembles the voice of the loved one. Indeed, jade is termed the concentrated essence of love. Fashioned into the form of a butterfly, a piece of jade acquires a special romantic significance in China because of a Chinese legend which relates that a youth in his early pursuit of a many-hued butterfly made his way into the garden of a rich mandarin. Instead of being published for his trespass, the youth's unceremonious visit led to his marriage with the mandarin's daughter. Hence, the figure of a butterfly is a symbol of successful love, and Chinese bridegrooms are wont to present jade butterflies to their fiancés. A Chinese jade ornament, constituting a child's amulet, assumes a form approximating to that of a padlock. When this is attached to a child's neck, it is supposed to bind the little one to life and protect it from all danger in infantile diseases. A jade object of a different kind is sometimes used at nuptial feasts in China. This is a cup having the form of a cock, and both bride and groom drink from it. 
The form of this vessel is accounted for by a legend to the effect that when a beautiful white cock saw its young mistress, who had often petted it, threw herself into a well in a transport of despair at the loss of her lover, the faithful fowl sought and found death in the same way, so as not to be separated from its mistress. Among the splendid Chinese jade carvings of the Woodward Collection is a curious symbolic ornament carved out of the rare Fates Yu Yu, or Kingfisher Green Jade, a rich emerald green jadeite with translucent green shading. This ornament, executed in the beginning of the 18th century and believed to be a product of the imperial jade works in Peking, figures the natural form of a so-called hand of buddha citron the finger-like protuberances of the fruit suggesting this strangely fanciful name the chinese regard this as a most felicitous emblem denoting at once a long life and abundance of riches for its enjoyment in the present carving the figure of a bat clinging to the foliage enveloping the fruit constitutes an added omen of good fortune the chinese character fu signifying at once bat and happiness another proof of what we are prone to call chinese queerness for with the superstitious of our race the bat is always looked upon as especially ill-omened it is a well-known fact that many analogies have been found between the customs usages and products of the more civilized aborigines of the new world and those of the ancient egyptians another instance is offered by the custom of placing a piece of chalchihuitl jade question mark or of some other green stone in the mouth of a noble after his death and calling this his heart among the lower classes a tehahakli a stone of small value was used for the same purpose we shall see that in the egyptian book of the dead directions are given for putting a semi-precious stone on or in a mummy as a symbol and designating this the heart of the deceased person for the use of a green stone for this purpose by the ancient mexicans mrs zelia natal finds a reason in the two meanings of the nahuatl word which is used to signify a free man the literal meaning being a fresh or green heart hence the stone was a symbol of the rank of the deceased as well as of his heart the fact that jade celts have been found cut into several pieces is taken to indicate the high value placed upon this material for it has been conjectured by dr earl flint that a living chief would cut a piece from the jade he wore as a sign of his rank in order to provide a suitable ornament or amulet for a dead kinsman to certain of the chinese tomb jades that is jade amulets deposited with the dead has been given the name han yu or mouth jade because these amulets supposed to afford protection to the dead were placed in their mouths the metropolitan museum of art in new york contains a fine collection of two hundred and seventy nine specimens of jade from chinese tombs found within the past five or six years and presented to the museum by mr samuel f peters in color these jades are not especially attractive for the material has acquired a brownish stain due to the products of decomposition of the body and also to the absorption of some of the chemical constituents of the other objects in the tomb during the long period of time in many cases a thousand years or more since the bodies were consigned to their final resting place 
so multifarious are the uses to which jade is put by the chinese and so great is their admiration of its qualities that they regard it as the musical gem par excellence a series of oblong pieces of jade of the same length and width usually about one point eight feet long and one point three five feet wide and numbering from twelve to twenty four constitute a chime the difference in the notes emitted by the material when sharply struck depending upon the varying thickness of the separate pieces what is designated the stone chime used in court and religious ceremonials is composed of sixteen undecorated stones while a series known as the singer's chime consists of from twelve to twenty-four pieces carved into fantastic shapes this use of jade for the production of musical sounds dates far back in the chinese annals we are told that when Confucius was much troubled at the ill success of his efforts to reform the Chinese morals of his day, he sought consolation in playing on the musical stone. A peasant who noted this in passing by exclaimed, as he heard the sounds, Full indeed is the heart of him who beats the musical stone like that a jade ornament greatly favored by the Maoris of New Zealand bore the name Hetiki, a carved image for the neck the ornaments of this class are very rude and grotesque representations of the human face or form and were generally regarded as schematically figuring some departed ancestor the head sometimes slanted right or left so that the eyes which were very large and occasionally inlaid with mother-of-pearl were on an angle of forty-five degrees these ornaments were prized not only as memorials but because having been worn by successive ancestors they were supposed to communicate something of the very being of those ancestors to such descendants as were privileged to wear the treasured heirloom in their turn in many cases when the family was dying out the last male member would leave directions that his hetiki should be buried with him so that it might not fall into the hands of strangers so rare was this new zealand jade known to the maoris as punamu greenstone that the aid of a tohunga or wizard was regarded as necessary to learn where it could be found on setting forth on a search for this material the jade seekers would take with them a tohunga and when the party reached the region where jade was usually found the tohunga would retire to some solitary spot and would fall into a trance on awakening he would claim that the spirit of some person dead or living had appeared to him and had directed to search in a particular place for the jade he would then conduct the party to this place where a larger or smaller piece of jade was invariably found of course the wizard had previously assured himself of the presence of the stone in the place indicated to this jade was given the name of the man whose spirit had revealed its location and in many cases the grotesque form given to the stone was conceived to represent this man we can easily understand the reverence accorded to the hetikis when we consider that they were not only prized as heirlooms which had been handed down by the successive heads of the family but were also believed to have been originally found in such a mysterious way when the head of the family died his hetiki was generally buried with his body but was exhumed after a shorter or longer time by the nearest male relative as we have noted if no representative of the family remained the heirloom was allowed to remain in the grave 
the fact that tribal or intertribal feuds sometimes arose in regard to the possession of a heitiki serves to prove the peculiar virtues ascribed to them while there can be little doubt that the heirloom was supposed to represent in a very general way the person whose name it bore the particular form given it was largely determined by the natural shape of the mass which was slowly and patiently fashioned into the form it eventually acquired though this was mainly due to the imperfect means of which the artist disposed there was probably a conviction that the form of the natural stone was not the result of accident but was in itself significant and required only to be rendered more clear and definite the fabrication of the heitikis of the maoris is said to have ceased in the early part of the last century the greater number of those that have been collected in new zealand appear to have been made from one hundred to one hundred and fifty years ago jasper the jasper had great repute in ancient times as a rain-bringer and the fourth-century author of lithica celebrates this quality in the following lines the gods propitious hearken to his prayers whoe'er the polished grass-green jasper wears his parched glebe they'll satiate with rain and send for showers to soak the thirsty plain evidently the green hue of this translucent stone suggested its association with the verdure of the fields in an even closer degree than was the case with transparent green stones such as the emerald etc another early authority damigeron mentions this belief and states that only when properly consecrated would the jasper do service in this way jasper was also credited in the fourth century with the virtue of driving away evil spirits and protecting those who wore it from the bites of venomous creatures an anonymous german author of the eleventh or twelfth century recommends the use of this stone for the cure of snake bites and states that if it be placed upon the bitten part the matter will come out of the wound here the cure is operated not by the absorbent quality of the stone but by its supposed power to attract poison or venom to itself thus removing the cause of disease a popular etymology of the greek and latin name for jasper is reported by bartolomeus anglicus who writes that in the head of an adder that heat aspis is found a little stone that is called jaspis the same authority pronounces this stone to be of wonder virtue and says that it hath as many virtues as diverse colours and veins this is fully in accord with tradition for as colour was at least as important as chemical composition in determining the talismanic or therapeutic worth of the different stones the great variety of colours and markings in the different jaspers naturally indicated their use in many different ways jet jet has been found among the paleolithic remains in the caves of the kesserlach near thengen canton schaffhausen switzerland the material was evidently derived from the deposits in Württemberg and was shaped by flint chips quite possibly jet as well as amber was already regarded as possessing a certain talismanic virtue such ornaments when worn were believed to become a part of the very body and soul of the wearer and were therefore to be guarded with jealous care in the paleolithic cave deposits of belgium also jet appears the supply being in this instance derived from northern lorraine 
The fragments had been rounded and pierced through the center. This indicates their use as parts of a necklace or as pendants. Necklaces, bracelets, and rings were especially favored for the wearing of talismanic gems since the stones could easily be so set that they would come in direct contact with the skin. Jet was one of the materials used by the Pueblo Indians for their amulets. An exceptionally well-executed figure of a frog made of this material was found in Pueblo Bonito in 1896 by Mr. Pepper. The representation is much more realistic than is the case in the other figures of this type from this region turquoise eyes have been inserted in the head of the figure and a band of turquoise surrounds the neck lapis lazuli both in babylonia and in egypt lapis lazuli was very highly valued and this is shown by the use of its assyrian name uknu in poetic metaphor thus in a hymn to the moon god sin he is addressed as the strong bull great of horns perfect in form, with long flowing beard, bright as lapis lazuli. This may remind us of the hyacinthine locks of classical literature. Lapis lazuli, a blue stone with little golden spots, was a cure for melancholy and for the quatern fever, an intermittent fever returning each third day or each fourth day, counting in the previous attack. Lodestone. We have the authority of Plato, Ion 533d, for the statement that the word magnetus was first applied to the lodestone by the tragic poet Euripides, 480-405 to B.C., the more usual name being the Heraculean stone. These designations refer to two places in Lydia, Magnesia, and Heraclea, where the mineral was found. Pliny states, on the authority of Nicander, that a certain Magnes, a shepherd, discovered the mineral on Mount Ida while pasturing his flock, because the nails of his shoes clung to a piece of it. We are told by Pliny that Ptolemy Philadelphus, 309 to 247 B.C., planning to erect a temple in honor of his sister and wife Arsinoe, called in the aid of Chirocrates, an Alexandrian architect, the latter engaged to place therein an iron statue of Arsinoe, which should appear to hang in mid-air without support. However, both the Egyptian king and his architect died before the design could be realized. This story of an image held in suspense by means of powerful magnets set in the floor and roof, and sometimes also in the walls of a temple, is repeated in a variety of forms by early writers. Of course there was no real foundation for such tales, as the thing is altogether impracticable. The Roman poet Claudian, 5th century A.D., relates that the priests of a certain temple, in order to offer a dramatic spectacle to the eyes of the worshippers, caused two statues to be executed, one of Mars in iron and another of Venus in lodestone. At a special festival, these statues were placed near to each other, and the lodestone drew the iron to itself. Claudian vividly describes this. The priests prepare a marriage feast, behold a marvel, instant to her arms. Her eager husband, Cytheria, charms, and ever mindful of her ancient fires, with amorous breath his martial breast inspires. 
lifts the loved weight close round his helmet twines her loving arms and close embraces joins drawn by the mystic influence from afar flies to the wedded gem the god of war the magnet weds the steel the sacred rites nature attends and the heavenly pair unites there was current as early as the fourth century a curious belief that a piece of lodestone if placed beneath the pillow of a sleeping wife would act as a touchstone of her virtue this first appears in the alexandrian poem lithica and it has thus been quaintly englished by a fourteenth-century translator also magnese is in like wise as adamus if it be set under the head of a chaste wife it maketh her suddenly to be clip embrace her husband and if she be a spouse breaker she shall move her out of the bed suddenly by dread of fantasy the same writer attempts an explanation of the popular fancy that when powdered lodestone was thrown upon coals in the four corners of a house the inmates would feel as though the house were falling down of this he says that seeming is by moving that cometh by tornage of the brain in classical writings the fascination exercised by a very beautiful woman is sometimes likened to the attractive power of the lodestone as notably by lucian who says that if such a woman looks at a man she draws him to her and leads him whither she will just as the lodestone draws the iron to the same idea is probably due the fact that in several languages the name given to the lodestone indicates that its peculiar power was conceived to be a manifestation of the sympathy or love of one mineral substance for another this is commonly believed to be the sense in which we should understand the french designation aimant namely as the participle of the verb aimer to love however some etymologists prefer to derive the word from adamas sometimes used in low latin for the lodestone although properly signifying the diamond it is certainly worthy of note that in two such dissimilar languages as sanskrit and chinese the influence of this idea appears in the names given to the lodestone in sanskrit the word is chombaka or the kisser and in chinese tsushi or the loving stone chin tseng ki a chinese author of the eighth century wrote that the lodestone attracts iron just as does a tender mother when she calls her children to her a rich growth of mohammedan legends grew up about the exploits of alexander the great a striking example being given on another page and in one of them it is related that the greek world conqueror provided his soldiers with lodestones as a defence against the wiles of the jinns or evil spirits the lodestone as well as magnetized iron being regarded as a sure defence against enchantments and all the machinations of malignant spirits in the east indies it is said that a king should have a seat of lodestone at his coronation probably because the magnetic influence of the stone was supposed to attract power favor and gifts to the sovereign but it is not only in the orient that magnetite is prized for its talismanic powers for even in some parts of our own land this belief is still prevalent large quantities of lodestone are found at magnet cove arkansas 
and it is estimated that from one to three tons are sold annually to the negroes to be used in the voodoo ceremonies as conjuring stones the material has been found in land used for farming purposes and many pieces have been turned up in ploughing for corn these vary from the size of a pea to masses weighing from ten to twenty pounds they occur in a reddish-brown sticky soil their surface is smooth and brown and they have the appearance of water-worn pebbles in july eighteen eighty seven an interesting case was tried in macon georgia where a negro woman sued a conjurer to recover five dollars which she had paid him for a piece of the lodestone to serve as a charm to bring back her wandering husband as the market value of this mineral was only seventy-five cents a pound and the piece was very small weighing but a few ounces the judge ordered that the money should be refunded malachite for some reason not easy to fathom malachite was considered to be a talisman peculiarly appropriate for children if a piece of this stone were attached to an infant's cradle all evil spirits were held aloof and the child slept soundly and peacefully in some parts of germany malachite shared with turquoise the repute of protecting the wearer from danger in falling and it also gave warning of approaching disaster by breaking into several pieces this material was well known to the ancient egyptians malachite mines having been worked between suez and sinai as early as four thousand b c the appropriate design to be engraved upon malachite was the image of the sun such a gem became a powerful talisman and protected the wearer from enchantments from evil spirits and from the attacks of venomous creatures the sun as the source of all light was generally regarded as the deadly enemy of necromancers witches and demons who delighted in the darkness and feared nothing more than the bright light of day moonstone the moonstone is believed to bring good fortune and is regarded as a sacred stone in india it is never displayed for sale there except on a yellow cloth as yellow is an especially sacred color as a gift for lovers the moonstone takes a high rank for it is believed to arouse the tender passion and to give lovers the power to read in the future the fortune good or ill that is in store for them to gain this knowledge however the stone must be placed in the mouth while the moon is full antoine mizod tells us of a selenite or moonstone owned by a friend of his a great traveller this stone about the size of the gold piece known as the gold noble but somewhat thicker indicated the waxing and waning of the moon by a certain white point or mark which grew larger or smaller as did the moon mizod relates that to convince himself of the truth of this he obtained possession of the stone for one lunar month during which time he sedulously observed it the white mark first appeared at the top it was like a small millet seed increasing in size and moving down on the stone always assuming the form of the moon until on reaching the middle it was round like the full moon then the mark gradually passed up again as the moon diminished the owner declared that he had vowed and dedicated this stone to the young king edward the sixth who was then highly esteemed because he had good judgment in regard to rare and precious things onyx 
the onyx if worn on the neck was said to cool the ardors of love and cardano relates that everywhere in india the stone was worn for this purpose this belief is closely related to the idea commonly associated with the onyx namely that it provoked discord and separated lovers the close union and yet the strange contrast between the layers of black and white may have suggested this End of chapter 3, part 3